Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. Hear that? It's the call of the crave. And when the crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 bacon bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hey, by the book listeners, Kristen here. Did you know that you can receive a weekly by the book affirmation mini-sode plus the rules of every book that we've lived by? It's easy. All you have to do is become a member of our Patreon community. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. Again, that's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book or just look at the episode description from today's show. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. You know something that has been bothering me about self-help books lately? Um, what? What has been bothering you about self-help books lately? <laughs> <laughs> There's always a lot that bothers me about self-help books, but one thing that's really been bugging me is that so many of these books are so general. They treat all people as if we're not unique individuals with our own experiences, with our own challenges. We're just a monolith to a lot of these authors. I mean, yeah, they they have to generalize a bit. I think we're we're all dealing with our own stuff, and I don't think there's any way a book could get so specific that it can really get to the heart of our individual struggles. Well, maybe or maybe not, because there is actually a book out there that acknowledges that everybody's got something. And please tell me it was written by a celebrity and that we are going to live by it. Oh, you know we are, because I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalanta Greenberg. And this is By the Book. In each episode of Buy the Book, we choose a different self-help book to live by, follow it to the letter, and weigh in on whether or not it actually changed our lives. For this season, our eighth season of Buy the Book, we are living exclusively by self-help guides written by celebrities. And today, we are tackling Everybody's Got Something by Robin Roberts with Veronica Chambers. Robin Roberts is a TV broadcaster, producer, and occasional actor best known for co-hosting ABC's Good Morning America. She was born in Mississippi, the youngest of four children, to Lucy Marianne and Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, who was a Tuskegee Airman. Raised in Alabama, Roberts attended Southeastern Louisiana University, where she studied journalism and became the school's third all-time leading scorer in basketball. 
Robert spent her first 20 years after college working primarily as a sportscaster. In the 10 years that followed, she worked simultaneously as a reporter for ABC News and a host of ESPN's Sports Center. And in 2005, two monumental things happened. She met her girlfriend Amber on a blind date, and she was promoted to co-host of Good Morning America. She's been with Amber and Good Morning America ever since. But it hasn't been all smooth sailing. 2005 was also the year that Hurricane Katrina destroyed her hometown, less than a year after a heart attack killed her dad. In 2007, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. In 2012, she was diagnosed with myelodysplastic syndrome, MDS, a disease of the bone marrow. Around the same time, her mother died. In her New York Times bestselling book, Everybody's Got Something, Roberts tells the story of what happened during these tough years. She walks us through the deaths, the diagnoses, the pain, the sadness, and the healing. Along the way, she also shares the lessons she's learned and how certain people helped her get through it all, day by day and sometimes moment by moment. Ultimately, her message is that we are all much stronger than we think. Here's how you do it. Step one. Allow yourself to feel bad. When Robin was first diagnosed with cancer and MDS, she cried alone. Then she cried with friends. Then she cried some more as she went through the death of her mom, medical separation from her dog, painful treatments, and relapses. Be like Robin. Let yourself be mad at God. Rage about the injustice of it all. Feel what you need to feel. God can handle your anger. Step two, let people in. When you give a lot of love, people will want to give it back to you. Accept their support. Allow them to show they're capable of sharing the load. Tell them what you need, whether it's a good laugh or quiet time sitting side by side. Take comfort knowing you don't have to go it alone. And make clear in your words and actions how much you appreciate and love them. Step three, assemble your team. In Robin's case, she had her medical providers, her friends who served as her health advocates, her sister who served as her donor, her therapist, and her girlfriend who took meticulous notes and served as a caretaker. Find people you trust and let go of those who aren't serving you well. Also, be sure to encourage your caretakers to take care of themselves. Their job is not easy. Step four, focus on the fight, not the fright. Educate yourself, ask questions, and put together a game plan. Rest when you need to. Don't ever play the race card or ask for special treatment. And have rituals that make you feel good. In Robin's case, she blows two kisses to the sky and says good morning to her late parents every time she steps on set. Last but not least, remember, optimism is like a muscle that gets stronger with use. So exercise it. Step five, Celebrate the now. Don't beat yourself up over the past and what you could have done differently. Don't get lost in the future and the anxiety of what might be. Instead, aim to find peace in the present and see each moment as a gift. Enjoy your passions, have fun, appreciate the sunshine, acknowledge the ways that you're blessed, and celebrate the good times. They still exist. Step six, share your message. If or when you feel ready to share your struggle with the wider world, turn your mess into your message. In Robin's case, she used her MDS diagnosis to raise awareness about bone marrow donation. And thanks to her, donations to the National Marrow Donor Program went up 1,800%. Step seven, remember that everybody's got something. Remain empathetic. Remember that you're not the only one going through pain. And don't compare your life to others. You have no idea of what hardships others are facing, even those who come across as happy. That's what the book says, and so that's what we did for two weeks straight. Kristen, I need to hear everything about your first week of living by Everybody's Got Something by Robin Roberts. How did it go? Did you get something? Well, Jolenta, when we started living by this book, something happened that kind of set the tone for the entire two weeks. And I just want to give everybody here listening a content warning right now because we're going to be talking a lot about racist violence in my two weeks. So uh, heads up about that. 
So as you know, Dolenta, a white man in Atlanta went on a shooting rampage going to three different Asian-owned businesses that specifically employed Asian women and shot everyone he could, including two customers. It was absolutely horrible. But what added insult to injury was the press conference with the police force that was investigating the case. Here's a clip. Yeah, let me go into a little bit of detail. So the suspect did uh, take responsibility for the shootings. Um, he uh, said that early on once we began the interviews with him. Um, he claims that these, and as the chief said, we know this is still early, but he does claim that it was not racially motivated. He apparently has an issue, uh, what he considers a, a, a sex fiction, and sees these locations as something that allows him to uh, to um, to go to these places, and, and it's a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate. Um, that, that, like I said, it's still early on, but those were, those were comments that he made. And I believe this is also the same press conference where he said the shooter was, quote, having a bad day, and this is what he did, end quote. Yes, exactly. And here's the problem. The press kept repeating the story, saying, no, this has nothing to do with race. It's not racially motivated. It isn't a hate crime. And meanwhile, all the leaders in the anti-racism space, Black, Asian, Latino, Native, white, everyone was saying, if it wasn't racially motivated, why was his temptation only in the form of Asian women? Why did he only frequent Asian businesses, Asian uh, massage parlors? Why did he drive past all the businesses that are owned by people of other races in Atlanta? And I felt the same way. And before you know it, all these traumatic memories started flooding back to me. And I talked with Dean about one of them. And in the process, I did step one. And step one is allow yourself to feel bad. I kind of do remember that one time a few years ago when Melina and Philippe, we were going up to see them. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were staying at that fancy apartment. Yeah, oh, by Central Park. They were fancy. Yeah, on Central Park South. And then I showed up before you, and when I got there, outside the building, there was that man who threw that giant cup of liquid on my face. Yeah, oh, God. And he just... That was awful yelled terrible stuff at me and everybody just stood around and they watched and nobody did anything and nobody intervened and then yeah that was oh god and then i went into the building and the doorman the guys who worked there i just kept repeating the story and they didn't do anything and then finally somebody handed me this roll of paper towels and they called up to melena and philippe to find out if i was actually a guest of theirs because I don't know, I guess they thought I seemed, like, unstable or, like, weird, and I was all wet. You were an upset woman who was all wet. I was freaking out because I didn't know what was thrown in my face. I didn't know if it was, like, urine or if it was acid or what it was. I was terrified it was acid um, or bleach or something. I had no idea of what it was. And so, yeah, and then I got up there, and I remember in their apartment, they put my head under the faucet, and I just... Yeah, that was awful. I remember trying to not cry and just act like I was happy to see them because they were visiting and I was trying really hard not to cry. I hate that story and it's terrible. And I hate that, like, not only that it happened, but the fact that that people can just watch and do nothing while you try not to cry, while you struggle to figure out what even fucking happened to you in the first place. Like... It's infuriating, and I'm so sorry you had to go through that. It was. It was was horrible. Yes, it absolutely was terrible. And I realized, talking to Dean, that I've spent a lot of my life trying not to cry in the face of racism, and I decided to change that with step two. Oh, interesting. And step two is let people in. Yes. So in addition to talking to Dean, I also talked with my other friends, particularly those who are also people of color. And here I am with one of them, Victor. Victor is Latino. He's an emergency nurse who's been traveling around the country to work in various COVID units over the past year. And there's one thing he's noticed a lot of, anti-Asian racism in the hospitals and specifically anti-Filipino racism. 
people that are not Filipino will look at a group of colleagues that are, you know, friends, family related, and they'll get someone. Uh, they'll 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 look at that as you know the Filipino nursing mafia. You know, they'll they'll address it as that, and it's just you know I don't think it's meant lovingly. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, but I've 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 had friends and mentors. Uh, in in the nursing community that were uh, Filipino, Asian, whatever. I mean, and they always were kind and uh, and loving and, and excellent nurses. And I don't see why it's an issue, or it's ever been an issue. Now that we need all hands on deck, it should be not that it should ever been an issue, but we don't have time for it to be an issue. Now, as you may know, Jolenta, one third of all the nurses in the U.S. who have died during COVID have been Filipino. So it was a real shock to me to learn that they're also the victims of such virulent racism in the hospitals. Yeah, I had no idea that was going on. And that's just so sad. It's just so sad and terrible. I don't, it's sad. Yeah, it's completely heartbreaking. So after that, I decided to jump ahead to step six. Okay, and step six is share your message. Yes. Uh, I realized that if Victor's stories were opening my eyes, maybe my stories could open other people's eyes. So I went online and made some posts on Twitter and in the Buy the Book Facebook community about the anti-Asian racism that's been such a huge part of my life. I wrote about being catcalled by the police and yelled at in stores to go home and they don't mean my apartment and how people have cornered me when I'm trying to walk home and demanded that I love them long time. I talked about how often people say to me, no, where are you really from? This happens all the time to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I I was really impressed by your your bravery. Um, how did it feel sharing those stories? Honestly, I felt really relieved because a lot of other people of color also then came out of the woodwork and shared their stories. And also a lot of white people said, thank you. I really had no idea that you went through all this. I had no idea that this is what Asian people faced every single day. You're educating me. And so I think it was a really good way to wrap up my first week. It, it was not a high note, but it, it yeah. made me feel better than how the week started, I'll say. Right. I would say we started pretty low, but it seems like we've like chugged uphill a smidge. Uh, and I'm so glad that that sharing and putting yourself out there has helped. A, like, help you feel relieved and feel like you have camaraderie and community that you may not have known you had. And B, like, also thank you for educating us white people because we need to hear about these experiences more and more to understand the impact of our behavior. And, like, it's not your job to educate us, but, like, thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Jolenta and... With that, let's take a pause on my story Mm -hmm. and hear about yours. I want to know all about your first week of living by Robin Roberts. Everybody's got something. All right. Robin Roberts. Let's do this. Uh, I started living by this book with step two, Kristen. Uh, Yes. Step two, that is let people in. Mm -hmm. And I've been struggling with this Basically, since before my lupus diagnosis, but just I think since I became sort of noticeably sick with lupus, remember my like Band-Aid on the chin phase a while back? I don't know if you remember that. (laughs) Who can forget the Band-Aid look of 2019? I remember it was when like Alan Alda was in the office and I was like, hey, pardon the Band-Aid on my chin. How are you? (laughs) Um, I digress. Let people in. I feel like I also have talked about this a fair amount on the show, but like I am profoundly bad at doing this while I've been sick. There, I mean, not to mention when the pandemic hit, that gave me sort of free license to really, I feel like, give in to my reclusive tendencies um, and just not communicate with people for, for months at a time while they text and call and are like, do you hate me? I'm starting to get pissed off. I don't care if you're sick. Like that, literally <laughs> that level. Um So I started small, but I began having a text conversation with a friend every day, like a real conversation, not like send them a picture of me, like like making Frank hold a sign that says happy birthday, 
but like a conversation where we catch up and they give me shit about having not texted them back forever. Good, good. And how did that feel? It was sort of like, uh, I feel like socially ripping off the Band-Aid. Um, you know, I, I get nervous to talk to people because I don't want to be a downer, especially when life is so like dark right now in general. Um, but, you know, once I started ripping off that Band-Aid with these conversations, it wasn't that bad. Once I gave them sort of a quick update on my shit, I just got to hear all their stories about what's going on in their lives. And I got to hear, you know, about friends getting vaccinated, how people's lives are being affected by the current rash of hate crimes, um, how people's pregnancies are going, how new babies are behaving, all sorts of things, like light and heavy. But it was oh, so nice. Excellent. And what did you do after that? After that, I started working on step three. That is assembling your team. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I have a very good human team assembled. Human. Mm-hmm. Human versus? Human versus, I don't know, inanimate objects, perhaps. <laughs> um, but like, I, you know, it's been over a year since I got diagnosed with lupus. And I have a good team of doctors at this point that I trust and get along with well. And there has been some trial and error. A la what Robin writes about in her book when, you know, she just didn't get along with that doom and gloom doctor and she got oh, a yeah, new one. Yeah. I um, remember that part. And, you know, once I started learning people in more, it's obvious that my friends don't give a shit if I go quiet for a bit and they're still by my side and ready to offer support. But I realized I need one more team member to help me with my day-to-day life. And here I am telling my partner Brad about it. I had a thought last night because uh, I feel like I should be doing more walking because I feel like that will help. Mm-hmm. But also, like, because my one leg keeps going numb. Um, so what, <laughs> what would you think if I ordered, like, a, a cheap but cute cane? <laughs> like, they make pink ones. I don't know. Like... Maybe that would help. Yeah, you mentioned it. Like that's literally what they're for. Is like to take my the mom, stress off of one leg. My mom used one for a while when she was having, like, before she had back surgery and stuff. When she was having like sciatic pain, like, what's the difference? Like, it might help, even though it's, it feels wild to admit. I think it could be good. Question, would you consider getting it if it wasn't cute? I like how cute was like the first thing you decided. Cute and then cheap. (laughs) (laughs) I'll consider it if it's not cute. (laughs) Would you decorate it if it's not cute? Oh yeah, I'll make it like a Scrooge McDuck situation. No, like ribbons. Oh yay, a cute cane. (laughs) And more importantly... You saying what you need. Who mm-hmm. else do you need on your team? You mm-hmm. need a cane yes. on your team. And did you actually follow through and get one? And was yes. it cute? Yes. I got a cane. It came a few days later. And it is leopard print, Kristen. <gasps> you know I love some leopard print. Nice. And I named her Candice. <laughs> Like Candace, but obviously, Candace. obviously, <laughs> and you're gonna post a picture on Insta. You better. Oh, if of, you course, don't. of course, okay. of course, of right. course. Um, and getting Candace led me right into doing step four. Now, step four is focus on the fight, not the fright. Hmm. Now, for this, I feel like I just sort of straight up copied Robin Roberts. Um. I've been trying to be more active, as I said, when I thought of getting the cane. And uh, I've lost a ton of muscle and a ton of weight since I've been on all this medication and just like not moving around much at all. And while I try to walk the dog every day, I sometimes will go days without walking the dog if I'm feeling extra sick or just overwhelmed with dread and grief. Or if like there's a cloud I don't like outside, I find (laughs) lots of excuses. But after reading this book, I was like, shit, Robin Roberts walked laps in her hospital every day after getting a bone marrow transplant. I can probably maybe be fighting a little bit more and like fretting about 
you know, the state of the world and whatnot a little less. So I made it a goal to try to go around the block with my dog every day. Um, And because I'm insecure, I do have to mention that I live on like a long New York block, like an avenue block. Like it's a good walk. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. That's got to be at least a third of a mile, like all the way around the block, right? And, you know, if it's pouring or if I'm feeling really, really sick, I would just walk down to the end of the block maybe once or twice and do like an actual just like a lap down the block. Got it. Got it. And did you feel like a fighter? Like lots of days, it was like this. I have to say, I really think this cane's been helping. Do you feel like you're engaging the right muscles? Yeah, I feel like I'm like being more productive and like trying to rebuild things as opposed to like dragging myself around but on other days i sounded a lot more like this oh i feel like my leg's about to fall off i'm almost home and i know this is progress but it's also hard to stay motivated because of how much it hurts and just how shitty this is. Uh. Um, and I have to say, even though there were days that I fucking hated it, overall, I felt accomplished and more capable every day as well and I felt less and less timid about going out and seeing sort of where my body was at instead of deciding where it was at before I tested things out so I'm glad I decided to fight aka walk down the street (laughs) oh my god Jolenta watch out later (laughs) this summer when you're feeling stronger I'm going to show up at your house and we're going to walk that block together. Me, oh you, gosh. Candace, and Frank. That's right. All four we're gonna of us We're going to walk together. all over that block. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so what did you do after that? After that, I got hit with some step one. Mm, that is allow yourself to feel bad. Exactly. And um, very similarly to Robin Roberts' experience that she writes about in her book, uh, I, too, take medication that suppresses my immune system, and it gives me a lot of mouth sores. Robin wrote about this. I felt very connected to her. Um, And these mouth sores make eating hard, swallowing hard, sometimes talking hard and painful at times. And during our first week of living by this book, uh, my mouth got out of control. So I took this as an opportunity to really indulge in how shitty it felt. So here I am telling Brad about it. Like, it is so sore and like so swollen. And it's like pouring one gum on from my tooth. Oh. Oof. If this is just killing me. Oh, babe. And so, so it's all Sorry. red. Yeah. I'm like puffy. It's like. And that's just essentially the same kind of sore that you're seeing on the inside of your lip, but mm-hmm. now it's on your gum. Like I'm just dying and I hate this. Like, look at me. I'm gonna like need all my teeth pulled out or something soon because like they all look like shit. Oh, you won't need your teeth pulled out. Oh, I hate this. Uh, like, I can't even just sit without, like, my mouth fucking killing me. I'm sorry. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, Jolenta, I'm sorry, too. That sucks so much. I hope it's feeling a little bit better today, today on our taping day. Mm-hmm. It is feeling better today currently, yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. And is that where you ended your first week? Yeah, that's where it ended. I made a new friend, Candace, but my mouth felt awful. Well, I can hardly wait to hear where things go in week two. And I can hardly wait to tell you, but before we get to that, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Have you read Everybody's Got Something? Did you like it? Did it work for you? Are you Robin Roberts? Do you know Robin Roberts? Share your story with us. You can drop us a line at kristenandjolenta at gmail.com 
or you can always hit up our Facebook group. It is booming right now. So many good conversations. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash BTB pod. And of course, you can always leave us a voicemail as well. Our phone number is 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Okay, so Kristen, we ended your first week of living by Everybody's Got Something with you sharing stories online of the racism you faced and other people sharing their stories, and you were feeling kind of good. Uh, So how did your week two start? Unfortunately, it didn't take long for the positive vibes to fade. Listen. These are some tweets I've received as well as some emails sent to me using the contact form at kristenminzer.com. If you care about racial justice so much, then why are you always perpetuating the model minority myth? That's one. Um, That's not true. You say you're opposed to white supremacy, but you're married to a white man. You are a hypocrite. So this particular post, they found a photo of me and my husband on a different platform and then posted it on Twitter. Here's another one. Asians only care about themselves. They don't care about any minority group except themselves. Here's one that's not racist exactly. It's just just misogynistic. Fuck off and die, you empty cunt. Here is one that has an article attached to it, but the article attached does not have any of the statistics that uh, they are claiming are in it. So this is what it says. Please see article. Statistics prove that Asian women align themselves with white men to gain power and respectability. Why are Asian women so racist? And here's one more. Stop playing the race card, you ugly bitch. You are famous and white adjacent. You don't know what the fuck racism is. I'm not going to read anymore. Well, that's fucking disgusting. I, oh my God, Kristen. Yeah, and I know I've read gross tweets in other episodes and even laughed about them, but these really hit hard because of everything else that was going on in the world. What do you do after that? What did you do? <laughs> well, I burned all of Twitter down. No, no, Ugh. I didn't actually do that. <laughs> if only, if only I would do it on your behalf in an instant. No, I am... Completely embarrassed to say I made the mistake of trying to engage with some of these trolls, thinking, Mm. oh, maybe I can educate you. Maybe I can point you to some real statistics since the articles you sent me don't have any statistics at all. But, of course, things just got worse, and then the trolls doubled down, and that's when Dean stepped in with step three. And step three is assemble your team. Yes. Dean said, you know what, Kristen, from now on, if a troll reaches out to you, talk to me instead. 
I'll report the people for you so you don't have to, so you don't have to keep reading the back and forth. I'll do all the technological stuff. I will be your IT security team. Nobody should have to look at this stuff, but I'll look at it for you so you don't have to. Yes, good job, Dean. I like that because my instinct was to just say like mute immediately, mute, 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 because then people also like double down if you block them. But Oh, they do, yes. But also, what, it's so important that you report this shit because, like, it perpetuates more hate and violence and shittiness. So I'm really yeah. glad that Dean stepped up and took over um, in a super helpful way. Yeah, and I am hoping now that many of those accounts are suspended or whatever they do at Twitter, and, delete them, and whatever it, they do. it helped, like, your feed? It did, and not just that, it meant that I could actually see real legit messages coming through to me from real legit people. For example, I was getting invitations from the press who wanted to interview me because they saw some of the stories I was tweeting. They saw some of the things I was saying. Mm. And one of those invitations was from the one and only Margaret Cho. <gasps> Here I am on her podcast trying my best to dispel one of the most dangerous myths out there that black people and Asian people hate each other and don't have each other's backs. There's so much rage sometimes that's unfocused. And who do we target? Like, how does it come out? Where do we point it at? We don't point it at white supremacy, which is really the, the reason for all of this. We point it at each other or other minorities. Exactly what you're saying, Margaret. This is a yes. symptom of a much bigger, uglier issue. And, you know, we can't forget things like the model minority myth. You know who mm -hmm. came up with that myth? A white person. <laughs> you know, yes. the idea of what kind of minorities are being the right kinds of Americans, which ones are not causing too much of a fuss, which ones are being compliant, which ones are being quiet, which ones aren't reporting things that are bad that happened to them. And Right. And it's um, it would the model minority myth was actually brought forth in direct opposition to the civil rights movement. Yes. So it was like trying to show black people who are marching for their civil rights, you know, don't be like that. Be like this. You know, it was showing like, oh, there's ways to be a minority that's not causing problems for the majority. Just to go back to the idea of pitting people of color against each other. I mean, the fact of the matter is that in the civil rights movement, marching right alongside black people were Asian people. There were people right. like Grace Lee Boggs on the front lines. And mm -hmm. in a study that was done by Pew Research last year, back in September, they found that 69% of Asian Americans aligned themselves with Black Lives Matter. They fully mm -hmm. supported Black Lives Matter compared to only 55% of the general population. So this myth that's pitting us all against each other, it is malarkey. Yeah. Asian people and black people have been helping each other and believing in each other and uh, fighting for each other's rights all along. I am in awe, Kristen, two of like my all-time favorite women talking together about important things. Uh, I mean, you've been a hero of mine since we met, and uh, <laughs> Margaret Jo's been a hero of mine since I met her on her sitcom. Um, yes. And you did, you did an amazing job, Kristen. You stuck to the facts. You stuck to the fight. And I think that means you also checked off step four from this list, which is focus on the fight, not the fright. You were yes. able to sift through all of that hate and all of the anxiety it induces, and your team stepped up, and you were able to focus on your message and fighting to make sure that is heard. I love you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. Yes, I was hoping you would see oh my that, that was step four. Yes. Okay. Um, what did you do after that? I did step seven. And that is, remember that everybody's got something. Yes. And for this, Dean and I donated to the ACLU to support Black voting rights and to my late friend Ellie Conant's Astria Fund. Now, Astria is a nonprofit for Asian Americans and Ellie was a gay Korean American who died very young, and her fund specifically supports queer Asian Americans. And uh, I'm always happy to support her fund, but I just felt a really special need to at this time. That's so wonderful. Um, and what did you do to finish your second week? I finished the week with step five. Oh, step five. I forgot about that one. Step five is <laughs> celebrate the now. How did you do that? Tell me right now. 
I got my first vaccine. Listen. All right, I am walking home in the rain after getting my first dose of the vaccine. And I'm just blown away by what a well-oiled machine it was and how kind everybody was. It was just such a great experience. And the thing that really touched me the most was the moment when the workers directed me to the intake booth I'd be sitting in and a woman waved out from the booth and she was an Asian woman and when I saw that she was Asian I just burst into tears and and she said to me been a really tough year, huh? Oh, Kristen. Okay. First of all, I just need to say I'm so glad you got your first vaccination shot. And second, oh my God, that sounds so like cathartic, such a big emotional moment. I mean, getting the vaccine in itself for any of us is, is huge. But then to get it done during these two such intense weeks that you've been going through and to feel um, like a camaraderie and a connection during that, like, oh, it's just so much going on. It was. And, you know, I am not ashamed to say I cried off and on for the rest of the day and not in a bad way. It was really good. It was just like a really good day to cry off and on all day. And it was also just a great way to end my second week. But Jolenta, enough about me. I need to hear about your second week of living by Robin Roberts. Everybody's got something. Tell me about it. Okay, let me tell you. Um, I was crying but not happy tears uh, when we left off. I was feeling sorry for myself and my mouth. Um, So I wanted to use week two to hopefully like lift my spirits a bit. Um, And I thought that I'd go back to letting people in because that had been pretty uplifting. And reminder, letting people in is step two. Yes. And so I called my grandparents. But when I did that, I ran into step seven. Yeah. Step seven is remembering that everybody's got something. Right. So take a listen. Oh, and uh, reminder, my family nickname is Jolie. So that is uh, how I'm referred to in this call. Hello. Hello. How is this? Uh, this is, this? it's Jolie. Good guess, though. We, I've heard we oh. sound the same. Oh, okay, I remember her. Yeah, how you doing? Your grandma's sitting here naked. Whoa, nice. Just getting her in the shower. Oh, shoot. Do you want me to call back? Or should I leave you? A, yeah, we'll yeah. give you a holler, honey. How are you feeling? I'm slowly getting better. Good. That's good. We pray for you. Oh, stop. I love you. All right. All right. Talk to you later. (laughs) Love you, dear. Love you. Bye. Jolenta, I love hearing your grandparents. That is so sweet. (laughs) Yes, it was very sweet and definitely funny to hear him talk about my naked grandma. But also, you know, it was it was a bit of a downer or a bit of a perspective giver, I should say, because it reminded me like, oh, right, my grandma has just gotten out of the hospital because she had an infection and she's like not in great shape. And, you know, normally she's the more able-bodied of the two, but right now she needs help to shower. And, you know, it did get me to stop thinking about how much my mouth hurt. And it reminded me like we're all going through it right now. Everything is difficult. We're all struggling. We're struggling to eat foods that don't hurt our gums. We're struggling to shower. We're struggling to live in a way that feels meaningful. We're struggling with hate and anger and like life is hard. So I guess this step definitely helped get me thinking outside of myself, but it didn't like boost my spirits as much as I wanted it to. Well, you know, sometimes the first step to boosting our spirits is having that perspective, though. So it does sound like you got that, which is good. True. True. That is true. And what did you do after that? After that, I decided to focus on sharing my message. 
Ah, yes. Step six is sharing your message. And how did you do that? Okay. So my message is not out in the world yet. And I am nervous. You will say this doesn't count. But for this step, I started trying to write some jokes about lupus. Oh, yay. I love that. <laughs> I think that is I okay. think that is so great. I do. Thank I mean, some you. of our favorite okay. storytellers and comedians, that's what they do. They take their pain, mm-hmm. they take their challenges, and they turn that into something that's thoughtful and funny and so on. So I love this idea. I Thank love it. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, since I've been sick, I haven't worked on like any comedy, really. I keep feeling like I'll get back to writing jokes when I feel better. But also I'm realizing it may not be as simple as that. Like better may look different than I think it does. And maybe I need to think about, you know, incorporating lupus into my life more so I'm not like waiting to do things. And, mm. you know... Maybe I can write a joke about it or something. So do you want to hear a really sad, not very funny lupus joke? Yeah, obviously, please. You know, one of the things they don't tell you about having lupus, Kristen, it's how much work you end up doing from the toilet. But I'm boom. <laughs> it's not it. that funny. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> And you know what? It's a wonderful start. And I truly think this is good for you. You know, it's giving you a chance to stretch your muscles. And as you said, not put your life on hold, not Mm -hmm. wait for the next thing. Yes. And, and I just think it's, it's something that maybe the comedy space needs more of our stories like yours that you're going to share and humor like yours. So I think that's great. More jokes from, from loopers. That's what I've been calling myself after the movie Looper. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> very different story, by the right. way. Right. Nothing to do with lupus. More to do with time travel and like assassination. So what did you do after that? After that, um, I had one step left to do, which was step five. That is celebrate the now. Mm-hmm. And so writing lupus bathroom jokes was definitely uplifting. But I was like, I want more lift. I want to lift my spirits and celebrating the now sounded like obviously the the greatest thing to do for that. Um, and, you know, normally I'm not the best at being in the moment. That's why, like, I didn't do well in acting school. Um, <laughs> so I figured I would look to an expert at focusing on the now. And that is Frank, my dog. <gasps> Dogs always live in the moment. Oh, my gosh. That mm-hmm. is so great. And and how did Frank help you also live in the moment like he does? So mainly I just tried to focus on him and watch how much he enjoys life. And then when you watch him being in the moment and being so excited by the simplest things, you kind of can't help but join in in the excitement. Take a listen. I'm going to start putting on my socks. Let's see if it gets excited. He's he's making connections. I can like see him doing the math. <laughs> his little eyeballs. Oh, hey yo. Let me just put on these sneaks. Oh, oh my gosh. Wait. Wait, your feet and then your feet? He keeps looking to you and then to me and then back to yeah. you. Bobby? No. Mommy? Oh. What oh my gosh. Leash? What does that mean I'm doing now? Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Oh. Oh, oh my God, <laughs> Franklin. Are you giving out a family vote? Every single second of that audio diary is the moment. That right? is the moment. That putting the sock on, that's the moment. That touching the leash, that's the moment. Everything is in the now. Good job, Frank. In theater school, we would call that moment-to-moment work. Oh. But thank God we're not. <laughs> um, no, and that was fun. I mean, animals, I feel like animals and little kids are so good at being in the moment. And when you can put your focus on them and their enthusiasm, like you can't not get amped. So that was very simple, but it was definitely very uplifting. And I was able to find like a nice sweet spot to end my second week. That sounds like such a sweet note to end on, Jolenta. And it almost sounds like you might have a good verdict, but I don't know. I I, I guess I, just like the listeners, am going to have to wait to find out. Uh, but first, we need to take a break. But even before that first, we should remind our listeners, Jolenta, that we love it when they rate and review us. 
It's true. Please, if you like our show, give us a good, you know, five-star review. Write why you like us in the little blurb. It helps other people find our shows, you know? It's just like picking a rental house. You got to scroll through those reviews to see if it matches your vibe. So the more reviews we get, the more listeners like you will find the show, and then you can all talk about it, and it will be beautiful. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy. The way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Okay, Kristen, we are back, and it is time to get down to business, verdict business. Did Everybody's Got Something work for you? Do you recommend it? Did you like it? Did you get something out of it? So before I tell you whether or not this book changed my life, can we just talk about how much I enjoyed reading it? Yes. I mean, Anybody who loves hearing celebrity stories, I think, is going to enjoy this book because Robin Roberts knows everybody. She's, you know, friends with Oprah. Here's a story mm-hmm. with the Obamas. Here's this time with the Queen. Here I am hanging out with the Real Housewives. Not everybody's going to like that, but because I like celebrities, I totally loved all those stories that, you know, she had woven in there, made it extra fun, extra juicy. And I also just got to say, I cried when I read this book. Mm-hmm. So much of it is so emotional. And I mean, there's one point in the book where she is wearing sunglasses in the backseat of a taxi so the driver can't see her as her doctor gives her a cancer diagnosis over the phone. She doesn't want the taxi driver to see how much she's crying. Oh my God, there are moments like that in this book that are so moving. And she also just has these amazing stories about her really good friends, about her girlfriend, Amber, about how Diane Sawyer seems like, by the way, like the best friend in the whole world. Diane Sawyer, like the minute Diane Sawyer finds out, she's like, Robin, something's not right. What is it? Tell me. She finds out. She researches. She stays up all night. She's calling doctors. Yes. She learns more about Robin's disease than Robin even knows because that's the kind of friend Diane Sawyer is. Oh, my God. Uh. So all, all of those parts are so amazing. They're really emotional, but also, you know, like I said, there's humor in there. There's totally. celebrity watching. There's all that good stuff. So I I just got to say, even if you don't live by the book, you might enjoy reading it just for all that stuff. Um, and then as far as actually living by it, though, I really liked it. I felt the steps were concrete, that they were clear. Um, overall, I think the steps were useful to me. And you know, even though I wasn't dealing with the death of a loved one or a major health scare the way that Robin Roberts was, I was dealing with my own stuff. And I felt like her totally. book worked just fine for that. I will say that, you know, if I have any issue with the book, it's that she brings up the race card as well as the gender card a few times. And I'm like, Robin, really? Why did you do that? The race card is what trolls on Twitter accuse me of doing all the time, which you heard in my audio diary. It's yeah. like, you know what? The only people who use the race card at this point in history, I think, are usually like racist and misogynist. And right. So I was so, going to say white people who don't like know how to say like, I think I might be racist. Yes. Oh, my God. So, Robin, please don't use the language of those people. It, uh, don't don't say that anymore. Pl- you don't have please. to. Please, if you're going to do a reprint of the book, please take out that stuff about the race card and the gender card and so on. It doesn't need to be there. Um, But all that being said, I still recommend the book. As I already said, it's a great read, Mm. but also it was useful. So that's my verdict. But Jolenta, 
I need to hear your verdict. We know my verdict. Let's hear yours. Okay. This was a fun read. I agree. I loved that she opens the book with a story about going to Villa Rosa, which is Lisa Vanderpump's house in Beverly Hills. Lisa Vanderpump, of course, (laughs) a former Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, overall reality TV star, Dancing with the Stars, Vanderpump Rules, now overserved with Lisa Vanderpump on E! She's everywhere. (laughs) I'm very intrigued with her and her miniature ponies. Um, So Robin obviously had me intrigued from the (laughs) get-go. And, like, for some reason, I really enjoyed the stories about the morning rating wars between all the news networks. Oh, yeah. Take that, Matt Lauer. Good morning, America. Like, it's number one. Like, stuff I did not think I gave a shit about. I'm like, yes, they did it. Um, I cried basically every time she wrote about how Amber, her girlfriend, took care of her. And when I read the notes um, that she put in the book from Amber to caregivers, I cried like a ton because it would make me think about Brad and sometimes my mom and how much work they're putting into my health and how hard it is. And I also like fumed with jealous rage every time she mentioned her friendship with Diane Sawyer. Oh, because that woman is the goddess of a friend. When she described, when Robin Roberts described Diane Sawyer, like coming to her hospital bed, like in her sweats and glasses, I was like, I'm so jealous. I don't know if I can keep reading. (laughs) I just want Diane Sawyer to bring me Popeye's chicken, too, the way she does for Rob. Exactly. Um, Okay, so that's just reading the book. I mean, (laughs) I was was a little bit off-put by her Pollyanna-ish, like, bright side, bright side, bright side attitude. Um, It's a bit hard to relate to for me. Um, But also... She cops to having that kind of attitude. She talks about it, uh, how that attitude affects like her family and stuff. So she's aware of it in a way that makes it easier to palate. Um, but I also felt like as as a sick person, uh, like there were times when I felt like a bit of a just a bit of a failure reading this book. You know, no. Robin Roberts. Like, Robin Roberts was way sicker than me, and she had so much, like, faith and optimism, like, way more than I seem capable of mustering at times, although she talks about her lows. Um, But she also says in the book not to compare yourself to people, especially when it comes to the difficult shit, so I probably should just take her advice and, like, stop worrying about that. And, like, the actual overall advice, minus the, like you said, race card and, like, sex card where it's like you don't need to, like, make things harder than they have to be, Robin. Like, we don't have to pander to that shit anymore, like you said. Overall, uh, the advice, I think, enhanced my life. It didn't necessarily always make me feel awesome, which it never promised to do. I apparently was just really looking for that in these two weeks. Um, But I talked to friends more. I admitted I needed maybe a cane to help me get walking more. And then I actually started walking more. Um, I focused more on, like, the good things in my life. And I wrote some poop jokes. So overall, this book's advice made my life better, even though it occasionally made me a little jealous of Robin Roberts' attitude and her friendship with Diane Sawyer. Overall, I recommend it. And that sounds like a positive verdict. By the way, yes. Diane Sawyer, Robin Roberts, do you need two more best friends? We're right here waiting for you. We are right here. Please reach out. Yeah, to if us. you want to do some sort of like best friends podcast guest episode with us, like, please, we're open. <laughs> Have your people talk to us. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of By the Book. Huge, huge thank you to our amazing production team at Stitcher. Our producers, Brandon Nix, Corinne Wallace, and Daisy Rosario, our engineer, Andy Christens. They're all so great. Thanks also to Nate Wida. He composed our theme song. And thanks to the Rizzos for performing it. 
please stay in touch. Let us know if you have lived by Everybody's Got Something. Let us know if you are a fan of Robin Roberts. Let us know if you like morning TV. Let us know if you are somebody who compares yourself to others or if you accept the fact that we've all got our own struggles. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Our email address is kristenangelenta at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter. We're at Jolenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, and of course, at By The Book Pod. We're also on Instagram, at By The Book Pod. We're posting pictures there. Candice will be there. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Yes, yes, I ended it on that that bit of a down note or a mouth down mouth note. Mm. <laughs> no, that is well, a bad I... attempt at a joke. <laughs> Stitcher. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue. Panting, you're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 